This is an incredibly important episode for parents and for adolescents. Our youth are in trouble with their mental health like nothing we've ever seen before. Several studies are showing increases in the percentage of students who are experiencing feelings of hopelessness and sadness. And you may be shocked to learn that even young teens are thinking more about suicide, many actually attempting to hurt themselves or take their own lives. We need to talk about this, and that is just what we are about to do. Growing Pains, the mental health journey of our youth, right now on the Mental Health Podcast. Hi, Stacey. Thanks for being here. (laughs) What are we doing talking about mental health when it comes to, to kids and teens and and young adults. This is supposed to be a time of life when we're most resilient. And Mm -hmm. what's going on with our youth right now? Yeah. Mental health is just as important as physical health with children and adolescents. It's really important that we talk about mental health just as we do with the adults. Uh, Youth mental health is a time where kids are starting to experience a lot of stress. They're trying to form who they are, trying to figure out who their friends are. And we know that stress impacts symptoms of mental health. Mental health can start in your early childhood years. There isn't an age where it says now it can be a mental health symptoms. And when we talk about about mental health in in our youth, the answer, of course, is going to be, and I can hear it right now, people saying, oh, good Lord, when I was a teenager, I I had it tough too, but I'll look at me now. But things are different here in, in, in 2023, aren't they? Yeah. There, there's a lot of changes that the kids are experiencing that you and I probably didn't have to experience when we yeah. were younger. Um, social media, internet, these are new uh, experiences that kids need to learn about. I can think back when I was a teenager, it was more around sex education and how are we going to talk about this? What's okay to talk about? Now we're saying these same things around social media. What apps are okay? How long can kids be on the internet? And we're learning through research we're learning from the kids that spending prolonged periods of time on social media apps being repeating experiencing something on repeat right so you think of social media when we all sort of flip through our apps you're seeing something over and over and over over at very quick frequency and these are images to very uh, vulnerable minds who are trying to figure out who they are in life and who do they want to represent to others Um, so it can be a really tough time now we know the pandemic is over Mm -hmm. But it did a lot of damage and will for years, won't it? I think, I mean, damage is an interesting word, right? I think going through the pandemic was was an experience for sure. Um, The youth have... um, You know, the experience of going through COVID for the youth impacted their day-to-day life. They didn't get to see their friends every day. They weren't going to school. They weren't getting to have proms. They weren't having, you know, these life milestones or events that were really important. And part of the developmental stage for adolescents is learning how to um, socialize Mm -hmm. and learning how to handle conflict, learning how to manage impulse control. All these things happen when they're at school or when they're in social groups. The pandemic isolated kids to home. Kids also saw parents struggling. And and that may have been a new experience or an experience they may not have seen had we not gone through a pandemic. But watching your your safe, caring parent also experience high levels of of stress, high levels of change, perhaps job loss. There's a lot of experiences families had during the pandemic um, that, you know, is going to have an impact on people long term. 
and kids are more worldly now. I mean, they, yeah. they're aware of so much more mm-hmm. than we ever were. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's right in their face all the time. Yes. Yeah. Being a, and I think that's what the social media and internet does, right? And, and that was a big change for kids being doing their schooling online, for example. So as much as kids love technology and love to be on their technology, they don't all love to learn from school on technology, right? So teachers had to find new ways to be able to connect with kids, new ways to deliver material. Kids were out of school for close to two years. That had an impact when kids came back to school. Teachers are going back and they're having to, you know, reteach. They're having to support kids, even just on how do you socialize with one another. There's a focus on that at different ages um, than prior to the pandemic. So things you'd be teaching, you know, four and six year olds, you're teaching eight and 10 year olds. Let's talk about parents Mm -hmm. right now. And of course, the number one question is going to be how do I know when my child is actually experiencing a mental health issue mm-hmm. as compared to just normal everyday growing pains for sure yeah this is a common question right what's the typical adolescent behavior versus when should i be concerned or worried that something's mm-hmm. happening because when we talk about symptoms of mental illness we talk about changes in emotions changes in behaviors and parents will often say well my kids are like this every single day yeah. i think the the important thing to look for is the frequency the intensity how things how long things are lasting Right. So emotional changes, sadness, withdrawal, isolation, Um, you know, your youth just isn't the same kid that they used to be. And it's lasting for a longer period of time. They're not seeming to be able to bounce back the way they used to. They might be doing, you know, different choices and behavior. They're starting to explore with substance use. Um, Maybe they're getting in more conflict, more argument. And you're like, and as a parent, you might thinking, you know, that's not my kid. They they don't normally react that way or they seem more irritable. It's interesting you say that. Mm-hmm. Because as a parent, <clears throat> you can listen to all the experts, but as a parent, mm-hmm. you know, you have a gut yep. feeling yep. that there's something yep. that is not right. Yeah. Mental illness is, is called an illness because there there's symptoms that, that contribute to a diagnosis, right? So it's not just, oh, you know, get up off the couch or come on, just push yourself through this. It, it is actually having symptoms that are impacting the way you're able to function. The next problem or the next issue the parents are going to face is, okay, I feel that I need someone to step in here. I need a Mm -hmm. professional. Yes. Access to mental health treatment for kids. It's hard enough as an adult. Yes. It's sometimes even worse to try and get something for your for your child. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm hoping to change the script on that, right? So we, we know supply and demand is a problem. That for sure we know. Access is starting to get better. I think the systems are starting to hear that kids and families have had a hard time figuring out how to get help. Schools are getting a lot better at putting a lot of funding into their mental health supports. Um, your family physicians, that's a perfect place to start. Um, communities are starting, community mental health programs are starting to look at things like walk-in clinics, take away some of the barriers of accessing help in terms of get a referral, wait for the intake, wait on waiting list. If you need help, just walk in. There's things called youth wellness hubs that are starting to pop up and develop across the province, which is a fantastic model. Uh, and they're showing a lot of positive outcome because kids are comfortable to just come in and it's a one-stop shop. Um, and then looking at your online opportunities. So looking at, is there things like Kids Help Phone, for example, has oh. texting, it has phone calls. Like there's a lot of ways to interact with that. So, Amazing. Yeah. I'm gonna put a plug in for them. I mean, yeah. folks, go to their website and donate, please. Mm-hmm. Uh, they are yeah. incredible. Incredible. Yes, uh, and yeah. they're starting to take adults on now. Yeah, yeah, uh, to help to help with that. Yeah. yeah. 
So yeah, yep. it, reaching out. Mm-hmm. It, but it's like anything when you're dealing with government, when you're dealing with healthcare, it doesn't matter what. Mm-hmm. You always come up against roadblocks. Mm-hmm. So you just, you got to fight sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. Always keep fighting. I mean, if you're a parent trying to get help for your kids, keep asking, keep pushing, talk to your friends, um, people who have had experiences. How do they, they find a way to get connected? But your family physician is a place to start, and the schools are a good place to start. In Durham Region, we have a central intake line that's run by Kinnerk Family Child and Family Services. That's one phone call. Parent can call. The youth can call. So there are, there are things that you can do to start the process and to access help. And I think the system's even trying to shift to do better with our wait lists, right? We know people can't wait. Sometimes our wait lists ask that kids, when they get referred, are at a whole different developmental stage by the time we even see them. That the, the new problems, symptoms have been there longer. It can take longer to treat. It can be harder to treat. And, and I'm going to put another plug in for Connects Ontario. Mm-hmm. A lot of people are not aware of Connects. C-O-N-N-E-X. So if you're listening to us here in Ontario, look that up. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they specialize in being traffic cop Mm -hmm. and you say listen you describe what you need Mm -hmm. uh and they will say okay here's a great place to start here's a place to go and they specialize in in free or low cost as well yes so there are sources out there Mm -hmm. but it can get a little frustrating i want to talk though about something we we rarely talk about and that is suicide why am i bringing suicide up with youth because okay i might understand when a child or when, when you turn 17, 18, 19, okay, mm-hmm. perhaps, sadly, it, 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 it is something you might think is more prevalent. Mm-hmm. But it's even younger than that with suicide, isn't it, in yeah. our kids? Yeah. I think, you know, a part of working, looking at youth and mental health is also considering the adolescent brain or the, youth, the development of the brain. Our brain isn't fully developed mm-hmm. when you're five, when you're 14, when you're 19. It's still developing. So that means there's parts of your brain and parts of your decision-making, your critical thinking that still needs to be formed. And we know those types of things can impact children and youth when they're having thoughts about suicide and how they're able to cope and manage through those thoughts. And suicide is a lot more prevalent than we think, isn't it? Yeah, it's the second leading cause of death with, uh, with adolescents. Think, think about it. It's the second leading cause of death with adolescents. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And accidents being the first. Mm-hmm. This is unthinkable. I cannot yeah. believe that we're talking. And how young? Yeah. I, I mean... I wouldn't want to give an exact age yeah. of how young, but, it, you know, children is at any age, anyone at any age yeah. can come to a place where they think dying by suicide is, is an answer to the distress and the hurt that they're feeling. And, and you're right. I never really thought about that because we know our kids make bad choices. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, they, 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 drew, they draw on the wall or, mm-hmm. or whatever. It's a mm-hmm. bad choice. Mm-hmm. And so we have to help them yes. understand that was a bad choice yes. and what is the right choice. Yeah. I never really thought about mm-hmm. suicide as being a choice that our mm-hmm. children mm-hmm. are contemplating. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's a couple of ways to think about it as well. Important to understand that self-harm and suicide can be a part of the symptoms of depression that someone is experiencing. So it's also a part of the symptom of the illness, which great news is that also means it's treatable. Mm -hmm. But also with adolescents, something that's different than with adults can be something we call the contagion effect. So just like we talk about peer pressure or, you know, if you see, you know, Nike is the big thing for my son right now. All the clothes, they want it to be Nike. So 
teens blend and they, they grow together as a unit. And so when events like suicide happen, there also can be risk factors that it, it becomes something that other youth might think about, see as possible. And you know that's a part of our, the work for adults is to make sure we really assess and support kids when there's a suicide in that social network because it can put others at higher risk. What's ACEs? ACEs, so Adverse Childhood Experiences. Yeah. So what is that? Yeah. So looking in, in your childhood and, and thinking about adverse events or significant events that have occurred, and we know that the more of those significant negative events that happen, the higher impact that can have on somebody's level of functioning. Impacts their relationship, impacts their health, their mental health. And there's even research that shows, you know, at these adverse ex childhood experiences impact our, our adult years mm -hmm. in terms of our physical health. So, you know, spending time and, and taking taking care of kids, right? When there's, you know, death in families, if there's traumas that have been experienced, if there's suicide attempts, if there's mental health, all of these things are very, very important to uh, take time to, to process, to support, to help kids recover. It's going to impact how people form as adults and, mm -hmm. and their overall health as an adult. So putting, you know, when you said funding, putting the money in in the early end <laughs> when Prevention. people have significant events mm -hmm. really helps the overall system in the long term. And, and of course, uh, you know, we know through the numbers that when people experience PTSD as an adult or mm -hmm. depression and anxiety and a mm -hmm. sudden, like for me, it was a sudden onset it is 80% or there's all sorts of numbers, but I've heard 80% most often because of something, a trauma that happened in our childhood. Mm -hmm. And so left untreated, mm -hmm. it's that much harder Mm -hmm. one year later in life. Yeah. You know, babies and, and toddlers are neat because they, they start with a blank slate. So their brain, everything's new, right? That's why it's so fun to watch kids. They see something, it grabs their attention, they're overjoyed with it. It's, all of those are forming patterns in the way the brain start, learns to relate to things, learns to see things. So imagine by the time you're, you know, 10, 15, if there's been a number of things you've seen positive, there's a number of things you've seen negatively or experienced how that impacts you by the time you're 20, 30, and 40, it starts to impact how you form a relationship with someone, you know? Do you trust someone? Mm -hmm. Or is there something that's kind of been learned in the brain that made it a little bit harder to trust that person or make a decision about something? And just like we, we're always working preventatively with our kids' health. So mm -hmm. making sure their teeth are brushed and, mm -hmm. and uh, making sure they take, you know, the proper bath and showers and, and, and that they eat properly. Mm -hmm. Just the same, we should maybe be checking in with their mental health, even though even if there isn't a problem yes. or a suspicion of a problem, yeah. regular routine maintenance. Yes, 100%. We know that after COVID, there's been some research done that says almost 50% of adolescents or youth have identified a change in their mental health in a negative way. Mm -hmm. Right. That means people are having a problem. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we, we know that, uh, you know, they said about 20 percent of kids have thought about harming themselves and have equally thought about suicide. Yeah. So we've got to treat it the same as brushing the teeth. We've yeah. got to treat it the same as our maintenance for our health. And because mental health is treatable, things just as basic as the food we're eating, getting our water intake, getting our physical activity, all of these things are going to help with mental health, starting to support kids to see protective factors, risk factors, so that they can stay healthy and well. And then when needed, reach out for service and support for something that maybe is a little bit more moderate, more severe, whether that's medica medication, whether whether that's looking at different therapies, um, because mental health is treatable. Anxiety is treatable, depression is treatable. 
I love that fact mm -hmm. because, you know, you, you can have a number of diseases which, which there's just no cure for, there's no mm -hmm. treatment for. However, when it comes to mental health, you know, even the most severe cases of mental illness have some sort of therapy and treatment mm -hmm. with them. Yes. And we're getting now into, with, with our kids, we're starting to hear words like bipolar mm -hmm. and schizophrenia. Mm -hmm. Yep. This yep. is, again, mm -hmm. it, it's just an eye opener. Yes, yeah. And it's just that reminder that, you know, symptoms of an illness, like I said earlier, of a cold can happen with mental health, right? Mm -hmm. And we're trying to get out and talk to kids more. Ontario Shores has a program here in our adolescent program. It's called Tammy, talking about mental illness. It's a collaboration with community mental health providers, with the boards of education in our area. And it's an opportunity where youth with lived experience, uh, older youth are able to share their journey with mental health to school-age children to at, uh, our high schools so that kids can start hearing, okay, actually, I, I, these things are kind of what I'm going through too. And this is how that person got through it. So starting to hear from people who have lived it and, and have recovered and who are better to hopefully provide some hope, but also to help share the journey on how to get the help. We also know that the the rates of depression and anxiety in adults mm -hmm. is, is just skyrocketing. Mm -hmm. This has an impact on our kids. Mm -hmm. So even if they may yes. not have any issues causing them problems mm -hmm. externally, but yeah. within the family, our own depression and anxiety and our own problems, yes. they transfer to the kids. They, 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 yes. they absorb it. Yes. Yeah. 100%. 100%. Kids are sponges and mm -hmm. kids are so observant. <laughs> kids, yeah. kids see in the home what's happening and it's not asking parents to hide either. You yeah. know, it, it's actually being a great role model. If you're showing your kids, you know what, I'm struggling too. My, you know, my mood's felt down or I, I'm feeling so anxious. It's getting in the way of being able to go to work, not being able to socialize with people. Mom, dad's going to go get some help. I'm going to go talk to my doctor. What a great way to role model to your kid if they ever feel that yeah. way. And it takes away that stigma. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I guess mm -hmm. I guess this this is normal. Like, yeah. I want to say it's normal, but yeah. I mean, I guess this is OK. If, yes. I, if I if I admit mm -hmm. to having some sort yeah. of issue with yeah. my mental health, yeah. maybe as well to any parents listening out there, if you're not taking care mm -hmm. of your mental health issues yeah. for your kids sake, yep. maybe you should. Yes. Yeah. Kids need their parents. They, they need parents to be present. They need parents to have the energy to love and to care. And, and when our mental health as adults is impacted, it can impact our ability, not because you want, you want, you don't want to care for your kids, but it can impact your ability to have that same energy and that same attention because you're struggling with yeah. symptoms yourself. And, and you know, don't be afraid to call your teacher, mm -hmm. uh, call the, the child's teacher and mm -hmm. say, mm -hmm. is, is Johnny or Sally, are they, mm -hmm. are they having a little bit of problems mm -hmm. in class? Yep. Because the teacher's not going to be able to call everybody and mm -hmm. is not going to diagnose everybody. Right. But if you can call them and say, listen, I'm having some issues with, uh, with them at home. Yeah. What are they like in class? Yes. And yep. have you noticed anything? Things yeah. like that. Yeah. Learn from others, hear what their experiences are with their kids. The, the one thing about the mental health symptoms is, is they're going to be present. You're going to see them. Is there's going to be some consistency of it's impacting at home, it's impacting if they've played, maybe they're a hockey player and they just don't have the energy to go anymore and they're not attending practices or they're not socializing with team, you know, they're not getting their schoolwork done, they're staying home more often. Like these are warning signs to say, okay, something's happening and, and visit the doctor. Right, it's a great place to start. Um, you know, I, I also recognize it can be hard to access doctors and physicians, yeah. but you know, even a walk-in clinic to reach out to someone to start the process of they need some support.
And in the weeks to come here on the Mental Health Podcast, we're going to be talking about a huge problem, and that's eating disorders when it comes to to adolescence. So, mm-hmm. so I want parents to realize we're going to be talking about that because that's an issue that needs an, you know a lot of of uh, of attention. Yeah. But it's always that reminder. Help is available. Mm -hmm. It's doable. You may have to work a little bit harder for it, but I think Mm -hmm. our kids are are worth it. Yeah. Kids are 100% worth it. You said resiliency earlier. Kids are resilient. Yeah. Just give them a chance. (laughs) It's easier to treat them now than it is 10 years from now, 20 years from now. And it may become too late. You know, I don't want to be, Mm -hmm. you know, alarmist, but it it could become Mm -hmm. too late. And I don't Mm -hmm. ever want to see a parent have to go through that. Mm -hmm. Stacey, thank you for this. You're welcome. Stacey Beveridge is a clinical manager for inpatient and outpatient services at Ontario Shores Centre for Mental Health Sciences. Coming up, a man who overcame incredible odds with his physical health and his mental health. The result is just what you may need to hear right now. This is the Mental Health Podcast. An alarming rise in the number of adolescents being diagnosed with an eating disorder in Canada, according to a new report published in the Journal of the American Medical Association. 60% compared with pre-pandemic, with hospitalizations of mainly young women up just as much since 2020. It may surprise you to learn that eating disorders account for the highest death rate of any mental illness, with suicide as a major outcome, and its victims are mainly teens and young adults. Don't struggle alone. See your doctor and ask them about the Eating Disorders Program at Ontario Shores. We have a highly trained and empathic team ready to help you get your life back. We welcome family members to be part of your treatment and even have access to teachers so you can continue your education while recovering. For more information, go to OntarioShores.ca. Brought to you by Ontario Shores Centre for Mental Health Sciences, Discovery, Recovery and Hope. In 2018, I developed a neurological condition called Ramsey-Hunt syndrome. All the nerves in my face had shattered. It looked like I'd had a stroke. Um, I went from being very athletic to not being able to walk. I had a significant mental health breakdown. It got to the point where I was ready to take my life. It changes hope. You need to change something. Do something that says tomorrow could be better than today and I will attempt to become the first person with disabilities to cross all five Great Lakes. When Hope Breaks Through is a film from award-winning director Matthew Wagner. It tells the story of Mike Shorman, an avid Toronto paddleboarder who had his life upended by a rare neurological disorder. Mike proved the experts wrong, who told him he would never paddleboard again, among many other things he would never be able to do. He is now the first person with disabilities to cross all five Great Lakes. More importantly, he brings his message of hope to audiences across North America. And Mike joins me right now. Hi, Mike. Hi, Kevin. Congratulations on the success of this documentary, When Hope Breaks Through. Thank you. And you just received... Uh, top honors at uh, a uh, a film festival in LA. Yeah, no, we were at the Awareness Film Festival, which is a festival for social causes, and uh, and that's in Los Angeles. And and we, I just learned this morning that we won uh, the most inspiring film award. Can I um, tell you more about where you can see this in in, yeah. in a little bit? But how do you feel with the success of this film? And, and keeping in mind the struggles you have been through in the last five years. 
Yeah, I think, you know, it's, you know, we talk about it, you know, it's in the film and you've, you've seen the film. Um, but I think it, you know, through, through my mental health journey, I lost a lot of confidence um, as I was going through that and which led to my mental health breakdown. And at that point I didn't have any, um, but you know, a series of action steps, you know, putting one foot in front of the other, um, you know, you get a win and then, and then you take that small win and it gives you a little bit more confidence. And then you think, oh, okay, I can go for, for my next little win. And, um, and it led to, it led to crossing the Great Lakes and, and, and setting out on a mission to raise awareness and funding for, for youth mental health programming and, and to see it, in a film now is, um, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a beautiful thing because although that part of the campaign is finished, this is, this is the next part. So it's, it's, it's the awareness piece. And is the film itself a little cathartic for you? Uh, at times it's hard to watch. Um, yes, yes. I think every time I do a presentation, every time I do an engagement, um, I feel like it's, uh, it, you know, it, it is, it's a healing piece for me as well. Um, but yeah, no, there are, there are definite parts in it. I think that are, ooh, you know, it, it hits you a little bit and you're like, Oh, it's a little bit hard to watch at times, but, but, um, but I think, you know, they've, they've done a really beautiful job. They did. They did an excellent job on, uh, on everything in the, in that film. Um, there was a line that stuck out with me, something you said and hit me emotionally, I think more than any other line in the film. And that was when you said, and this was shortly after you were diagnosed. Okay. I felt I didn't have a purpose anymore. Yeah, no, I, um, you know, when I developed Ramsey Hunt syndrome, um, you know, you, you, I went from being very athletic and fit and, you know, being a very active entrepreneur to not being mobile, looking, looking at my reflection in the mirror every morning and not recognizing physically who I saw. Um, there was a lot of facial nerve damage and, um, and I, I didn't recognize the person looking back at me and, and overnight, you know, I went from being active and and engaging and and I went to be losing my independence social life the identity that I'd created for myself kind of all at once and and through that I lost my purpose I you know I used to love teaching people how to paddleboard and educating about water safety and and giving people experiences and then all of a sudden I didn't I didn't have anything uh to to get me out of bed in the morning and um and I think you know the loss of the loss of purpose was was a huge part of of my mental health depression April 3rd 2019 yeah what happened um, April 3rd, 2019, I, I was at my lowest of lows. I had just come out of two back-to-back -back appointments. Um, one with, uh, an ENT, 
uh, where I was told that I would never get on a plane. I would never do long car trips. I would never get back on the paddleboard. And I think, you know, this was six months leading up to that appointment and there was hope and, and those words were just crushing. And, um, and at the same time, I was seeing a facial nerve transplant specialist. And every time I would go into the hospital, I would have this hope that they were going to say, okay, we're going to go in and do surgery. And what they would have done is they would have taken the nerves that were in my leg and they would have cut from the middle of my scalp all the way down to my chin, kind of like face off in the movie with, mm -hmm. you know, John Travolta. Mm -hmm. They would have taken the nerves and they would have put them in and closed it up and let the nerves naturally regrow. And every time I would go, I would go in, you know, every a month or six weeks and, and they'd say, we want to, we want to see, you know, how this goes. And, and that week I learned it could take almost two years for them to say, we will go in and do the surgery. And I remember I, I felt very disconnected with, with myself and my appearance and, and, and it was devastating that appointment. So those two appointments led to me, led me to, to not wanting to be here anymore. And it was it was the final straw that broke the camel's back, if you were. And um, and I took action, and and from there, um, my family gave me an ultimatum. And um, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna stop you because I, I just want to go back. You took action. Yeah. What do you mean? No, I attempted to take my life. How? Um, oh, I'm not, we're, you know, I don't want to. But it was to, to feel that low as to yeah. be, that would, that's the only answer. Yeah. Tell me about your mindset at, at that time. Or yeah. do you even remember? I remember, I remember the action steps that I took. I took, you know, I remember my mom calling me that day and saying, you know, what are, what are you doing tonight? And I remember saying I was going and I wasn't, I wasn't going out. Mm -hmm. I remember saying I was going out to see a friend and, and I wasn't, um, I, I had a specific end goal and, um, and yeah, no, I, I remember being very concerned. I was using a cane to walk. Uh, I put on jeans for the first time in six or eight months because I was trying to look normal. Mm -hmm. I was living in sweatpants. And I remember trying to look as normal as possible. Um, Yeah, no, I knew I was I knew I was going downtown and 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 what what that all looked like. What's what stopped you? Did something stop you or someone stopped you? 
Yeah, the 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 police intercepted me. So your so your mom called? No. Oh, who called? No. Um no, it was um no, I was it was a concerned individual. Yeah. And 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 I ended up in the hospital that night. And and the next day, um my my family was with me. And um Yeah. No, it was a very I remember breaking down to my family and having a conversation with them that we hadn't had um as far as they knew I was fine because that's what I said the whole time um I said I said I'm fine for for months and I think that's what a lot of people do is when they want to deflect um especially with men um we you know to to speak candidly about mental health um i think a lot of people say i'm okay i'm fine and then people take that for face value and and i'd been saying it for for months and and i wasn't fine you're raising money for for youth mental health programs why not adult mental health programs what what in particular attracts you to to wanting to help youth so it's really interesting like this weekend if you like this weekend the conflict like i'll I'll go back into that but this weekend you know the news that's that's all over everywhere israel and palestine and what's going on yeah just to let people know we're recording this particular episode uh the tuesday after the attack by uh hamas in in uh israel and then of course all the following repercussions that are we still and and i mean i hope by the time people listen to this that there is at least a little bit more yeah a calm but Um, but where my mind immediately goes and if like if you look at if you look at Twitter X or whatever they're calling <laughs> whatever it's called, um, and I I try not to because it's it's you know it's mental health toxicity. Oh twice. yes. Like, oh my like, gosh. Like, yes. <laughs> um, but you know I use it as a platform, so I'm on it. So you see things, and and just the images of children, and youth, and it's. It's just barbaric. It's barbaric. Um, I think I just have, you know, part of my mental health journey, because I lost my mobility, because I was the person who suddenly had to be bathed in a bathtub wearing their swim trunks um, and taken to physiotherapy and taken gross, you know, grocery shopping. And, you know, my life went from this to this with what happened. And, and it's almost like in that I became a child again, in the sense that I had, I had people looking after me like I was a child. My mom and dad became the parent of a child again, man child. (laughs) I'm still a man child, but um, but I think because of that experience, 
I, I, I can identify what it's like um, to, to essentially be that way. Um, and to have, you know, people looking, taking care of you and being your caregivers and, and battling something internally that you're, that you're not talking about. And, um, and I spoke with, you know, through, through my journey, I was speaking with some friends who have kids and, and and they were saying that my my kids are struggling. My kids are really struggling with school and with anxiety and depression. And then the pandemic hit and everything was brought to the forefront that was always there. Um, but but suddenly it was it was everywhere. And you've got parents who are learning how to homeschool um, and students who are not not going to classes who are not going to graduations you know dealing with you know am I going to pass this year on top of all of their other stresses and anxieties and and and, and yeah so no it, it became um, it became you know that's that's why I uh, that's why I, mm. you know I support the mental health of Canadians in general, um, accessibility to to mental health treatment and programs and services. But yeah, I I, I resonate with with what youth go through. And we have to keep in mind as well that as adults, and, and quite often depression and anxiety hit you age 40, age 50, uh, that 80%, and sometimes I've seen figures higher, 80% of the traumas that, that trigger this actually happen in our youth. Yeah. yeah. And that's the best place to start, perhaps. Yeah. Yeah, no. The, um, the traumas that we endure... Um, are off, often happen mm -hmm. in our childhoods, um, you know, at school or or at home, um, and and we we take those and and they stay with us, um, and in many cases they they help us, they help us grow mm -hmm. into into who we become, um, but but they are there. All right, back to the documentary. Spoiler alert. Okay. You get back on the paddleboard, okay. and you cross five Great Lakes, okay? It's still worth seeing the, the, the documentary, believe me, folks. But you get back on the paddleboard. How the hell did you get back on that paddleboard? Oh. Uh, you should not have. I know. I know. Um, no, I... Vertigo is a big part of my condition. Even I used to demonstrate this on TV interviews when I won't anymore. <laughs> but I used to d turn my head from side to side to like people can see what's going, like people can see what's going on. But it's like, it's like being on one of those carousels or merry-go-rounds at the park uh, when I when I suddenly turn my head. Um, so being on unpaved or uneven surfaces 
is challenging. Okay, um, so paddleboard and, and on water so, so fits what, that bill. So, so when he said, <laughs> to be fair, when he said this isn't a reality, yeah, um, I it is it is quite amazing. I you know that that we got to that point um, that that I felt like I could save and I was going to do this thing. Um, but, but it took a lot of amazing people, um, to get to that point. And, and, you know, those amazing people were there that very first day, that first time that I got back on the paddleboard that I lasted three minutes. Um, and it was just three minutes Mm -hmm. and that three minutes put me on the couch for a day and a half. Um, but that, you know, that inspired confidence and, and that, you know, I called that person up and said, Oh, can we go for five minutes next week? And then, and then we tried, you know, we built it up and, and kept using incremental wind building until, until, you know, we're setting out to cross lakes that take 30 hours. (laughs) (laughs) Now, I mean, I I don't want to discount the, the work that, that, you know, you had some great doctors and some great uh, counselors, uh, great friends, great family. But it all doesn't work unless you have the drive inside of you. Yeah. You were at rock bottom. Where did that drive come from? And how did you keep that drive? Because it wasn't a matter of, okay, I'm at rock bottom. Now I just go straight to the top. Yeah. So I think the drive has always been there. Um, in school. I always worked to get on the Dean's list. I was valedictorian in college. Um, when I worked in public relations and corporate, um, I always wanted the big exciting clients. I worked for them. When I went into the paddleboarding industry back then, now with City of Toronto, um, it's regulated and it wasn't, it was like the wild west back then. Now there's six, they have the RFP. There are six in Toronto back then there were 16, but when I went in to that industry, because I was coming out of communications and I was going into that experiencing burnout and wanting, wanting to go into something new, I went into that and I wanted to be number one. I wanted to be the number one rated paddleboarding business in Toronto by the end of my first year. Um, and that was a goal. Um, so I used, um, partnerships and collaborations with community partners, uh, such as the Canadian Safe Boating Council and, and some amazing groups. And from there, we got a lot of media attention with brought, brought in a lot of business, but, um, but no, I think the drive was always there. Um, and I don't know where it came from, but now the drive, it's just used in a very different way. Um, it's, it's, you know, pretty, it's pretty cool to see where it's, where it's gone. Um, what's turned into a documentary and, (laughs) and, and now we're, you know, using it to educate and, you know, offices are using it as a, as a resource and a wellness tool. Um, it's being in in festivals and, and that's, 
that's pretty that's pretty neat to see. But um, but no, I think I think the drive, you know, while while the illness slowed me down, um, and essentially stopped the paddleboarding, I just transferred the drive into a new into a new area. Uh, the film is uh, When Hope Breaks Through. It is uh, currently making a tour of film festivals right now. If you want to check out which one it's at, you can go to MikeShorman.com. But it's going to be streaming soon. It is. At the end of October, early November. Yeah, so it will be streaming on SurvivorNet.tv. Uh, SurvivorNet is a platform for cancer survivors and people who live with chronic conditions. And that will start streaming in the in in the U.S. in late October, and we are uh, we are working with several streaming platforms and television broadcasters. So so hopefully that will be very soon. I am so glad you are here talking to me. I am so glad that you found your purpose again. Thank you. Because uh, you mentioned two words, purpose, and you mentioned hope. And when you lost hope that's the you know that's the darkest anyone can get yeah i think um hope is a beautiful thing and you know at your darkest time it's hard to see hope um i think i think all of us have gone through dark times uh, at one time or another we all struggle with different things whether it's you know our marriages or our families or our work or or, or you know, all of it combined. Um, but, but there's always hope, and um, and you know sometimes those of us who struggle, uh, we we just have a hard time seeing it sometimes. So reminders like today, World Mental Health Day, are very important. Um, you know, Ballots Talk Day and World Suicide Prevention Day and all the all these days that we have throughout the year where there are purposes for education and awareness and you know they they help remove the stigma that's attached to mental health and 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 they you know it helps push the conversation along. Thanks for doing what you do, and thanks for this. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Mike Sharman. I'll be back to uh, with my final words and with our coping segment. I wish I would have known. I would have done something. But he seemed fine. Do you know what you should do? Do you even step in? Mental Health First Aid teaches everyday people how to recognize and respond to someone experiencing an issue with their mental health. Mental Health First Aid is life-changing, from recognizing early warning signs and learning how to truly listen to supporting someone and seeking the help they need. Ontario Shore Centre for Mental Health Sciences offers mental health first aid courses for individuals or groups. Whether it's for home or the workplace, we give you the first aid kit you need to be there for someone. Find out more or register for an upcoming course at ontarioshores.ca slash mental health first aid. Don't be left saying, I wish I could have done something. Hey, I'm here for you. Do you want to talk? It's time now for our coping segment on the Mental Health Podcast. Tricks, tips, hacks, whatever you want to call them. Things you can do when you're having some sort of mental health crisis. Now, 
our brain is an incredible machine, breathing, our eyes blinking, things like that. Every menial task, it does on its own without us even thinking or being involved. It just controls us. Well, this is true, sadly, though, for stress and anxiety. The brain takes over and we're not doing very much about it. So it will change its heart rate because it thinks it needs to. It'll move blood to different parts of your body that isn't necessary, but it still feels it has to. And this is the same with breathing. It changes our heart rate and our breathing rate. So what we need to do is step in and just sort of take it off autopilot. And we need to say to our brain, we're in control here. You don't need to make me breathe this way. So we're going to talk about box breathing right now. Whenever you're having a mental health issue, this is so incredibly effective and it's something you can do anywhere, anytime. So this is very simple and it's called box breathing because there's four parts to it, just like a box. So we are going to breathe in through our noses for eight seconds. We're going to hold that for eight more seconds. Then we're going to breathe out for eight seconds. Then we're going to hold that for eight seconds. Now the holds, the pauses are just as important as the breathing in and out, because again, it's all about us controlling our breathing. So we're going to try right now. We're going to go in through the nose, hold it, out through the mouth, hold it for eight seconds. Here we go. So try it for eight seconds. Breathe in through your nose and hold it and out through the mouth. Eight seconds and hold it for eight seconds. Now I'm going to count this time. So in through your nose, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Hold it, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. And out through your mouth, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. And then hold it, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Eight. Now, don't don't strain over it. If you can't do eight seconds, do six, do five, wh whatever you are comfortable with. This is about comfort. It's not about forcing it or strain. And do it for a minute or two. You will be amazed at uh, the effects. Very simple. Next time on the Mental Health Podcast, it's a mental health issue that does the same damage to your physical health as smoking 15 cigarettes a day. Loneliness. And at times, it can feel there is nothing you can do about it but there is loneliness in a crowded world next time on the Mental Health Podcast. Thanks for joining me. Until next time, take care of yourself and take care of each other. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to subscribe to the Mental Health Podcast. If you have any thoughts about this episode or suggestions for future episodes, please send me an email at thementalhealthpodcast at ontarioshores.ca. Please don't be alone. Reach out for professional help. For more resources and advice, check out our website, ontarioshores.ca. The Mental Health Podcast is a production of Ontario Shores Centre for Mental Health Sciences. I'm Kevin Frankish. Take care of yourself and take care of each other.